Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at basically every meaningful offseason move. I'm going to be quick on this one, not going to be putting a ton of analysis behind this. Uh, the goal is just to catch you up because if you've been listening to this podcast all offseason, I really appreciate it. And you probably know a lot of the moves. But if you're just getting back into the swing of fantasy football, I mean, we've had the free agency cycle. We have blockbuster quarterback trades in February and March, even January. I think that was when Stafford was originally traded. We had the draft. We've had more player movement. I basically went through every depth chart, every transaction, and just noted every single quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, meaningful roster moves. So when you're drafting with your friends, you don't accidentally you know, pick Jared Goff thinking he's the Rams quarterback or you don't pick DeAndre Swift thinking he's the featured Lions running back without remembering Jamal Williams is there as well. Maybe instead you pick TJ Hawkinson now that you know all the wide receiver losses that the Lions have had. So again, going to go through this pretty quickly because I know if I spend too much time on all 32 teams, this podcast will be going a very long time and I'll be out of breath in a hurry. So without further ado, the every meaningful NFL transaction from the past six, seven months. Starting off with the Cardinals, they have signed running back James Conner to replace Kenyon Drake. Certainly looking like a two-back committee between Conner and Edmonds. I still lean Edmonds because of the pass down work, but Conner could be there on the goal line. At wide receiver, they signed A.J. Green to replace Larry Fitzgerald. Still expecting Green to be out wide. If you listen to Cliff Kingsbury, sure sounds like Green's going to be the number two problematic considering they drafted Rondale Moore in the second round. Seems like Moore, Isabella, and Chris Christian Kirk are fighting for those final two spots and four wide receiver sets. With the Atlanta Falcons, Todd Gurley is out. Mike Davis is in. Also signed Cordero Patterson and Deontay Foreman in the running back room. Right now, it's looking like Mike Davis is the leader. That's just because, though, he has the most proven production of the group. He's still, you know, his archetype of just being a more elderly running back without a ton of proven career production isn't great. With that said, empty enough depth chart that Mike Davis, if we continue to see good news in the preseason and training camp about his role, could be a bargain. Julio Jones is obviously out of the picture, meaning Russell Gage and Alomide Zacchaeus will be rising up and entering three wide receiver sets. But of course, the big, real big one, Kyle Pitts drafted with number four overall pick. He should be the number two pass game option behind one Calvin Ridley. With the Baltimore Ravens, Mark Ingram is out of town, which is good. Just realized J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are going to form a two-back committee, and Lamar Jackson remains maybe not the favorite to lead in total rush attempts, but he's still going to be pushing for 150. At wide receiver, they signed Sammy Watkins. They drafted Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace. Willie Sneeds out of town, but people, this is already the most run-heavy offense in the league, suddenly awfully crowded. Before, you know, we could put... We could be hyped about Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews because they're really the only two guys to throw the ball to. They're still there. Now we got Watkins. Now we got Bateman. I know Bateman's banged up, but it's just a crowded passing game for, again, a team that doesn't throw the ball all that much. Tight end, only real knows. They traded for Josh Oliver, still fully expecting Mark Andrews to be featured anytime they want to throw the ball to the position. Buffalo Bills signed Matt Breida to replace TJ Yeldon with Zach Moss dealing with his hamstring injury. Just so you guys know, if Moss does miss time, I think it's going to be Singletary and Matt Breida splitting things. It's what they did last year with Yeldon when Moss missed time. It's what they did in 2019 as well when Frank Gore missed time. So Breida 
and Singletary. I don't think either of them really have the potential to take over this backfield. That is Moss if he can be healthy. At wide receiver, they replaced John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders. You know, so hold that Gabriel Gabriel Davis breakout season talk. You know, Manny could do his thing. Ultimately, though, I think Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley should still be the most expected uh, leaders here. Tight end, they did sign Jacob Hollister. Maybe the Dawson Knox era is starting to wear a little thin. Someone that you're probably not drafting anyway, although I do respect Knox for usually flashing as a receiver or blocker at least once a week. Carolina Panthers, all sorts of stuff going on. We got Sam Darnold now under center in replace of Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I've made my feelings pretty clear about Darnold on this podcast. I think his ceiling is emerging as basically no more than an average quarterback. Running back Chuba Hubbard is the front runner to be the number two behind McCaffrey. Obviously, Mike Davis helped out a ton of people on the waiver wire last year. I am a little concerned about Hubbard's ability in the pass game. I wouldn't assume that if McCaffrey gets hurt, Chuba is someone that's going to take the hell over from day one. At wide receiver, they signed David Moore, but it's looking like you know third-round pick Terrence Marshall is actually going to be the one that fills out three wide receiver sets. Big slot, not out of the realm of the possibility that Marshall leads this offense in um, – and touchdowns, at least receiving touchdowns. And as great as losing Curtis Samuel might be for the potential target share of DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, having Marshall and even more importantly, a healthy McCaffrey back, I'm just not so sure that we should be ranking, especially DJ Moore, as highly as we are. At tight end, they signed Dan Arnold, drafted Tommy Tremble. It's an offense that really doesn't use the position, though, so I would not be paying too much attention to the Sam Darnold uh, to Dan Arnold reports. God, if that does become a thing, it's going to be so hard to say. She's so seashells level stuff there next up the chicago bears signed andy dalton drafted justin fields can't go a day without seeing more glowing you know practice stuff from justin fields even though bears media you know isn't being huge about it we got the miami dolphins uh beat writers now telling us how good he looks so appreciate that uh running back they signed damian williams Hey, that's a problem for Dave Montgomery people because Cordero Patterson might have not been qualified enough to take some of the snaps when Tariq Cohen got hurt. Damian Williams is. A wide receiver, Anthony Miller was traded. Daz Newsom was a six-round pick. Maybe he gets in there sooner rather than later. It didn't take fifth-round pick Darnell Mooney long to do it. I would just say Allen Robinson continues to be the featured one. Mooney's the two. Behind that, Probably not worth going after anyone. Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, I think, are going to be in a lot of two tight end sets together. They did sign Jesse James at tight end as well. In general, Robinson, Mooney, and stay away from everyone else in this passing game. Cincinnati Bengals, Giovanni Bernard is gone. Only one coming back is six-round pick Chris Evans. Fall of volume, Joe Mixon should have all of it. At wide receiver, Jamar Chase is replacing A.J. Green. There's a ton of available targets here, people. That's why Jamar Chase should be seen as a positive for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, not a negative. Cleveland Browns, really the only changes that they drafted Anthony Schwartz in the third round. Speedy wide receiver. I think he'll mix in with the Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Daryl Hodge group. Continue to pound OBJ at his reduced ADP. Dallas Cowboys, absolutely no changes really to speak of on the offense. They scored 17, 40, 31, 38, and 37 points in five games with Dak Prescott under center. Knocking on wood right now that Dak is healthy again. Denver Broncos traded for Teddy Bridgewater. Currently seems to be losing the QB competition to my guy, Drew Locke. Now I'm really knocking on wood. Uh, We'll see how that pans out. Certainly Teddy being under center, seemingly more of a boost for Jerry Judy as opposed to Cortland Sutton. You know, Drew Locke's got that gunslinger in him and just based on which guy's going to be getting easier separation, uh, it does seem to be panning out that way. At running back, 
Philip Lindsay's gone. Mike Boone got signed. And more importantly, the, the Broncos traded up in the second round to go get Javante Williams. Even if Melvin Gordon starts this season, and even if he lasts a couple weeks as the RB1, I fully expect Javante Williams to eventually take over this backfield in terms of both over, overall touches and production. Detroit Lions blockbuster trade ended up with Jared Goff also signed for also signed Jamal Williams also signed Tyro Williams Rashad Perryman Khalif Raymond and drafted Amon Ross St. Brown moral of the story draft TJ Hawkinson I'm okay with Jamal Williams too he's one of those flex with benefits that we've been talking about but just realize DeAndre Swift Jamal Williams should be more of a one-two punch I think in the passing game while one of you know Perryman Tyro maybe even Quintez Cephas could bust out all this tells us is that TJ Hawkinson is going to be the guy low-key Jesse James out of the picture should lead to more of a full-time role for Hawkinson the Green Bay Packers drafted Amari Rodgers, traded for Aaron Rodgers, BFF slash roommate Randall Cobb. It's not great, people. Like, I know this is the reigning number one ranked scoring offense, but the fact they got there last year was already surprising enough because all we really had to go off of was Aaron Rodgers pissed off about the Jordan Love pick scenario. If he regresses a little bit, I mean, I'm just not sure if this offense is going to be able to be the same sort of world beaters we saw last year. Probably won't be quite as good in his offensive line. Hey, maybe, you know, the incumbent guys just continue to take steps forward. I know Devontae Adams is a monster. I'm just, you know, pumping the brakes a little bit on these auxiliary weapons breaking out. Because, again, the Packers just declined to really add any sort of meaningful resources into this offense. Houston Texans, you know, if you just want to plug your ears, I wouldn't blame you here. Signed Tyrod Taylor, drafted Davis Mills, traded for Ryan Finley. Uh, Tyrod actually starts the season with Jacksonville. I'm starting to talk myself into him as a DFS streamer. Has a couple easy games early on, but come on, who are we kidding, people? It's going to be a complete reach, probably nothing more than a desperation super flex play. Running back, they signed Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, and Rex Burkhead. No, David Johnson's still there somehow. We just now have all these other guys to deal with. I certainly think the answer to this backfield is a simple no. Wide receiver room is even more hysterical. Signed Chris Conley, Alex Erickson, Chris Moore, Chris, or I listed Conley twice. Andre Roberts drafted Nico Collins, traded for Anthony Miller. Brandon Cooks is someone that should be able to win with enough volume behind him. Nico Collins is the only one I'm actively trying to draft. Tight end, they traded for Ryan Izzo. Please, if the Texans give us one thing this year, make it be Jordan Akins as their full-time tight end. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that will be the case with Izzo probably providing some more blocking goodness to replace Darren Fells. Indianapolis Colts drafted Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, traded for Carson Wentz. Sounds like Carson Wentz is going to be back under center. I would be concerned. I am concerned, though. Already was concerned about his fantasy uh, you know, stock. And just looking at what he did last year, five rushing touchdowns, career-high marks and rushing yards per game. If his foot is banged up, that's going to be a problem. And Carson Wentz is not Phillip Rivers in terms of, you know, Rivers played a freaking playoff game on a torn ACL because he's never been a mobile guy anyway. Carson Wentz, when he is at his best, it's because of the kind of crazy shit he's pulling off when the play breaks down, when he's able to get off script and make big things happen. So Wentz is someone that I've moved down the ranks, even though we're getting word of him coming back because I just don't see him being at 100%. And, you know, even if he is 100%, what did we just see last year? Whatever the hell that was, it's not something I'm, you know, parting way with any sort of a meaningful draft pick to get exposure to. Uh, running back, only really meaningful knows Marlon Mack is back, looking okay, looking okay enough not to take over the backfield, chill out, but at least take away a f enough snaps and touches from Jonathan Taylor to make him more of a borderline RB1 as opposed to the RB6 like I've seen him going somewhere. 
No changes at wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton, unfortunately, back. Going to cap the upside of everyone involved. And at tight end, they drafted Kylan Granson. This is the one problem with the Mo Alley Cox breakout season. With Granson in there, I think they just probably give him Trey Burton's old role. Jack Doyle didn't go anywhere. Carson Wentz and Frank Reich, they've all had past success targeting tight ends. Unfortunately, there's three of them. Not one, not two. Three tight ends in Indy. I doubt any of them are going to be consistent fantasy performers. With the Jaguars, new regime. Trevor Lawrence under center, even though he's working with the second team while Gardner Minshew gets most first-team snaps right now. Not, not great. Haven't heard a you know, bunch of uh, great moves so far from Urban Meyer. We'll see what happens. Also signed Carlos Hyde, drafted Travis Etienne. Again, James Robinson is apparently the starting running back for now, but are we really going to see the Jaguars start Gardner Minshew and James Robinson in week one? Don't exactly think so. I continue to draft Etienne well ahead of James Robinson. At wide receiver, we got Marvin Jones, Philip Dorsett, Laquan Trebwell, and Jamal Agnew signed. Marvin Jones is the one that seems to be solidified in three wide receiver sets. And I was ready to be pretty far out on Marvin Jones this year. But again, we don't hate players. We hate ADPs. Marvin Jones going outside the top 50, 60 receivers. You could do worse in that range. Tight end, unfortunately, they signed Tim Tebow and Chris Manhurt. Seems more and more likely that Tim Tebow has a chance to make this team by the day. Please, for the love of God, Urban. If you want to play Tebow at tight end, I don't care. Just don't. Please don't put him in in this dumb Taysom Hill role and take Trevor Lawrence off the field. I'm just going to be furious if that happens. Kansas City Chiefs signed Jarek McKinnon. Remember, people, Jarek McKinnon at one point last year had tired legs. That was what Shanahan told us. Tired legs, enough so that he couldn't, you know, take over this backfield, even though they needed someone to with the amount of injuries they had. Maybe he beats out Daryl Williams. Either way, no one's touching Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They also drafted Cornell Powell. And hey, that's better than a lot of things that could have happened in terms of, you know, hoping Miko Hardman takes this wide receiver two spot. Flirted with Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency. Ultimately, didn't get him to come there. And just looking at it now with Sammy Watkins out of the picture, Miko does project as the number two wide receiver, although he'll be the number three pass game option behind Tyreek and Kelsey. Also know that tight end, they signed, it's the Belldozer, right? Blake Bell? Belldozer, yeah. Maybe we'll see more two tight end stuff out of the Chiefs in 2021, but obviously Bell isn't going to take away anything from Kelsey. Las Vegas Raiders, they signed Kenyon Drake. You know, we got Devontae Booker out of town, but the way Gruden is talking up Drake, it's not good, people. And only 13 running backs are being paid more than Drake annually, $5.5 million per year. Doesn't sound like someone that's going to be, you know, not involved in the offense to me. Wide receiver, they signed John Brown and Willie Sneed. Don't forget Zay Jones remains there as well. Uh, you know, hey, maybe Brian Edwards is a mix of T.O. and Randy Moss and as good as everyone thinks. Ultimately, as long as he's healthy, Darren Waller remains the only sure thing in this passing game. Los Angeles Chargers drafted Larry Roundtree in round six. Just chill out a little bit on Roundtree. People like Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson are still there. Very good. I mean, not very good running backs in their own right. Kelly, I know his a lot of his metrics were horrific last year. I've liked what I've seen from Jackson. Either way, these guys are all fighting for scraps behind Austin Eckler. I understand we saw the Melvin Gordon role, but that took a first-round running back to be given the Melvin Gordon role. There's a, certainly a chance we see a mix of Roundtree, Kelly, and Justin Jackson splitting the less fantasy-friendly early-down work. Moral of the story, draft Austin Eckler. 
wide receiver. They drafted Josh Palmer round three. It's going to be tough for them to enable three fantasy relevant wide receivers. Keenan, great. Mike Williams, I think, is an awesome uh, you know breakout candidate. But with Palmer, he's going to have to beat out Guyton, Tyron Johnson. I'm not saying he can't. I just don't necessarily see him doing that with a huge sense of urgency. And it might be a situation where they just rotate the guys. Won't help us in fantasy land. And at tight end, signed Jared Cook, drafted Trey McKitty. Still have Donald Parham there. I am not buying the Jared Cook resurgence. He is 34 years old at this point. Thought he started to show his age in 2020. And again, like our best case scenario for Jared Cook is that's the number four option in this passing game, not someone I'm prioritizing in the later rounds of drafts. Give me Blake Jarwin over Jared Cook eight days of the week and twice on Sundays. Los Angeles Rams traded for Matthew Stafford. No changes at running back, which means that Daryl Henderson with the Cam Akers injury is being set up better than ever to be the featured RB1 in this offense. I was expecting ADP on Henderson to keep rising, but no, I'm ahead of the consensus with him as my RB18. I'm happy to scoop him up in that range. Wide receiver, they signed Deshaun Jackson, drafted 2-2 Atwell, expecting those guys to split reps with Van Jefferson. I give Jefferson the slight edge in terms of being the number three receiver. Ultimately, though, I see most of this passing game going through Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Tight end, they drafted Jacob Harris, who's a wide receiver convert. I have never seen, I've seen a lot of hype. The Jacob Harris hype is weird to me, people. People are almost talking like Jacob Harris is going to take over for Tyler Higby. Maybe it's because of some of Higby's pass-off-the-field stuff. I know people don't exactly love the guy. But if we really think a wide receiver convert is going to take over for Tyler freaking Higby, who the Rams have committed to with a fairly freaking large second contract, and we have seen do all the little things right in this offense, absolutely not. If you want to say Jacob Harris can take Gerald Everett's old role and we're going to see a two-tight end system and Higby's just not going to get fed all the targets, that's reasonable. But please don't be that guy that says Jacob Harris is going to overtake Tyler Higby. I have been souring a little bit with Tyler Higby in uh, recent just weeks and more and more I just see this passing game condensed more around Robert Woods Cooper Cup and the rest of those receivers even though the Tyler Higby five game stretch was great for fantasy it's not like that was an awesome time for the Rams offense in real life with the Dolphins, no quarterback moves other than Ryan Fitzpatrick leaving, which is great news for Tua. Running back, they signed Malcolm Brown, and that's it. Looking like Miles Gaskin, RB1 season. Wide receiver, signed Will Fuller, drafted Jalen Waddle. Both guys are fantastic values of where they're going. Jalen Waddle is the wide receiver 38 on underdog fantasy. He is now going behind Jarvis Landry, Darnell Mooney. And I don't get it, people. I think it's honestly because he fell down in a practice and took an extra minute to get up last week. I think that's it. That's the negative press on Jalen Waddle. No, he didn't leave practice. He took an extra minute to get up and continued practicing. That's why people are worried. You can watch, watch him walk around. It looks like he's walking with a limp. He had that same exact walk before he got hurt against Tennessee at Alabama last year. Please don't be afraid to draft the number six overall pick who people have comped to Tyreek Hill as a wide receiver five at this point. God, just makes me mad more by the day tight end they signed seeth and carter they drafted hunter long hunter long is dealing with i believe it was a knee surgery he's got some sort of lower body issue i have been worried about mike jasicki's extension in this offense because i mean he was in the slaughter out wide the overwhelming majority of his targets last year and with waddle fuller and Devonte parker now in three wide receiver sets i'm struggling to see how mike jasicki is going to be this top 10 fantasy tight end a lot of people think he is 
Minnesota Vikings drafted Kellen Mond, not expecting him to you know be more than just a backup behind Cousins. No changes at running back. Continue to treat Dalvin Cook as the RB two overall. Alexander Madison remains a great handcuff. Signed D.D. Westbrook. He should be the favorite, I think, to win wide receiver three duties if he's healthy. I would just say though, probably not going to be a fantasy relevant role. Only uh, wide receivers, I believe, with a higher combined target share than uh, Jefferson and Thielen last year with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and then at tight end like they didn't change anything with Kyle Rudolph leaving which would seemingly be Irv Smith breakout season but not so fast my friend Tyler Conklin appears to be that guy we saw the four game sample last year with Rudolph out almost identical snaps literally identical targets Irv Smith's a better player if you're going to take a tight end from the Vikings it should be Irv Smith I'm just not getting behind him as a legit tight end one in fantasy land with the Patriots drafted Mac Jones Cam's still there I'm expecting Mac to take over sooner rather than later just don't think teams spend first round picks on quarterbacks with that drastically different of a skill set to have them sit on the bench drafted Ramondre Stevenson you know doesn't seem to be in the best graces of the coaches at the time. We never know a Patriots running back, so I'm not counting the guy out. It does seem like Damian Harris has the best chance to take over this backfield, though. Wide receiver signed Nelson Aguilar, signed Kendrick Bourne. Aguilar is someone, and also Jacoby Myers, incumbent starter Jacoby Myers. Aguilar and Jacoby, they're going like outside the top 60, 70 receivers. So at that point, yeah, I'll throw a flyer at them. They are in an offense with very little proven uh, target share. Tight end signed John Smith and Hunter Henry. Obviously, Henry is dealing with an injury right now, not, not believed to be a month, month long issue, but out for a couple of weeks. I just think it's a good reminder that John New and Hunter Henry are basically. It's like Goddard Ertz from a couple years ago where it's like, hey, these guys could provide borderline tight end one to upside tight end two value on their own. God forbid one of them gets hurt. Now we're looking at a legit top five option. With the Saints, we got Jameis back competing with Taysom Hill. I think we want Taysom Hill to win this, people, because then we get a fantasy QB1. And I don't know, like Jameis Winston, as great as he was in 2019, I don't see him having that same reckless gunslinger approach under Sean Payton. And that was the only year Jameis was anything resembling a QB1. He was like the overall, he was a top five QB in fantasy that year, but that was the only year of his career he posted QB1 production. Not necessarily expecting that from him this year, particularly considering if Jameis wins that job, Taysom's still going to be subbing in a lot. If Taysom wins that job, I don't see Jameis really subbing in at all. I could be wrong. We'll see how the splits turn out, but that's my view on the situation at the moment. Running back, they signed Devontae Freeman. I think it was just because they had to move Ty Montgomery to wide receiver to deal with some of these injuries. They also signed Chris Hogan. Maybe Freeman makes things a little bit tougher for Latavius Murray if Kamara suffers an injury, but just continue to fire up Kamara. I was more concerned about the quarterback change and the lack of targets and the scores for Kamara before Michael Thomas got injured. Sean Payne's a smart guy. Draft Alvin Kamara as the overall RB3 off the board. Tight end, they signed Nick Vanette. I think Adam Troutman's fine. I was doing some reading on the just Saints, you know, training camp practices. And basically, Vanette profiles as more of the inline blocking tight end. Troutman's the one that's going to be playing the F position, moving around a little bit more. That's why he is my overall tight end 12 ahead of the year. New York football giants, Daniel Jones back under center. They signed Devontae Booker and Alfred Morris to be Saquon's backups. Having Alfred there sucks because Gentleman called Booker a three-down back in April. But now if Saquon does miss week one or two, which is not even trending towards that way at this point, uh, I wouldn't really expect Booker to completely dominate this backfield. Probably not a situation we want to target either back. I mean, the Giants opening schedule for really the second straight year is not going to be uh, pleasant for him. God, I 
typed in Giants schedule on Google and they gave me San Francisco Giants first. Like, come on, laptop. It's 2021. Be smarter. But yeah, we got the Broncos and the Washington football team first two weeks of the year. Uh, before, I thought Booker might be a pretty underrated handcuff option. Now, not so much with Alf there. Wide receiver signed Kenny Galladay dealing with the hamstring injury. John Ross trying to rekindle the magic and also drafted Kadarius Toney. Sterling Shepard should still be the number two. The biggest loss here is for Darius Slayton, who does not deserve to be drafted in fancy formats of all shapes and sizes. Tight end signed Kyle Rudolph to a $12 million deal. Sorry, Evan Ingram, you're not going to lead this team in targets again. It's great he did last year, but when we bring in Galladay, a first-round receiver, and Kyle Rudolph, not going to happen, people. New York Jets drafted Zach Wilson, drafted Michael Carter, signed Tevin Coleman, drafted Elijah Moore, signed Corey Davis, signed Keelan Cole, and worst of all, signed Tyler Croft to take the starting tight end job from my guy, Chris Herndon. Basically a brand new offense. I would just say, you know, with Michael Carter, he's being projected to lead the backfield, which I don't disagree with. I would just say, like, why are we projecting Michael Carter over, like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers running backs? Like, the assumption that Carter's share in this backfield is going to be more than 40 50%, I, I can't get behind that. I think there's a very realistic chance Carter, Coleman, even, like, LaMichael Pirine split things fairly equally. Carter is the guy I have ranked the highest, but in terms of disparity in ADP, Tevin Coleman going a little bit under the radar wide receiver. Now we're getting reports that Denzel Mims is not on the way out. Jameson Crowder ended up re-signing. There's a chance we get a somewhat of a five wide receiver rotation in an offense that we shouldn't necessarily believe is going to be putting up a ton of numbers. I'm fine with getting Corey Davis and Elijah Moore where they're going in that borderline wide receiver four range. Just like Waddle, they have far more upside than that. Unfortunately though, I think we're going to need to wait for a true breakout season from both until we get some more clarity in terms of the pecking order. With the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, QB1. They did sign Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. Enough competition to feasibly think that Hurts could get pulled out if he just is as bad as he was again as a passer. Luckily, offensive line improvements, adding Devontae Smith, healthier Jalen Rager. I think Hurts should be able to hold on to the job throughout the year. And if he does, he has a sort of rushing volume to really be a factor in Fantasyland. Over at running back, signed on Johnson, drafted Kenneth Gamewell. Actually, some great notes from Elliot Park Shore. Um, he actually had that hilarious tw tweet back in the day where he said he could like luck into a home run, which was, you know, obviously ridiculous. But he had a great note on the Eagles running back uh, work with the first team. I'm pulling it up as I'm talking to you all on this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. But basically, here it is. It's looking really good for Miles Sanders. The concern for Sanders was that it was going to be him and Boston Scott again, but adding in one of Carrion Johnson or Kenneth Gamewell. And per Elliott, so far in the first team parts of practice, Miles Sanders has 34 carries, Boston Scott 18, Jordan Howard only four, Kenneth Gamewell only one. So Sanders' grip on this RB1 job might be a little bit closer to 60% snaps. I was thinking it'd be closer to you know 45, 50%. Miles Sanders may be shaping up as a little bit better value than I've given him credit for throughout this offseason. Also at the Eagles, we got Devontae Smith, wide receiver one. I know he's banged up at the moment, people. Please don't let that be a reason why you fade him. You know, AJ Brown, T. Higgins, wide receivers. Across the league, they get banged up when they're before they play sometimes. It's practice. It's a physical game. It's not like, yeah, I wish he didn't have a sprained MCL. You don't need to fade the guy for the entire season because of it. Still an incredibly talented specimen that, hey, 
is the number one pass game option in Philly. No changes at tight end, unfortunately, because Zach Ertz is back. Fully expecting him and Dallas Goddard to split reps. I'm not really getting behind either guy in Fantasyland. Pittsburgh Steelers signed Dwayne Haskins to compete with Mason Rudolph, meaning Big Ben will be under center all year. Also signed Kalen Balazs, drafted Najee Harris to be the three-down bell cow. No changes at wide receiver other than a potential James Washington trade coming up at a minimal. Chase Claypool seems far more locked in in the starting three wide receiver sets. And at tight end, they drafted Pat Fryermuth to replace the retired Vance McDonald. With Fryermuth there, I'm really not getting behind Eric Ebron. If he could have been the featured feature guy, maybe not going to be the case, unfortunately. Just a few left here, everybody. San Francisco 49ers drafted Trey Lance, similar to the Mac Jones, Cam Newton thing. I know that Cam and Jimmy G aren't necessarily like the quarterbacks you expect to be on these teams that have just gotten a first round signal caller. Like they are established solid players, even if at this point in their respective careers, they're not the same monsters. It's difference in skill sets, though. Like, Trey Lance just gives them such a higher ceiling. There's a reason why I've been telling you all offseason, get Trey Lance, start Kirk Cousins for the first seven games or however long it you know, takes for Trey Lance to take over. The Vikings' early season schedule is that smooth. At running back, they signed Wayne Gallman. They drafted Trey Sermon and Eli Mitchell. Raheem Mostert remains the RB1, people. I saw Trey Sermon getting all sorts of love from an athletic article talking about his ability in the past game and this and that. Not a single person brought up the fact that it said he's still a number two running back behind Raheem Mostert. A lot of people out there actually expect Sermon to just take over this backfield from day one, even though really nobody has been doing that in San Francisco for the past few years. It's not impossible, but when Mostert, the starting running back, is the cheaper one, when he's not hurt, and when we know he's a baller, again, only him and Tyree Kill have hit over 23 miles per hour with the ball in their hands over the past three years. I am drafting all the Raheem Mostert, and even Wayne Gallman at the end of drafts. I mean, I think there are worse uh, last-round picks you could be going with. Wide receiver, Simon Muhammad Sanu, Trent Sherfield. Sounds like Sanu is the favorite for the slot. I don't anticipate anyone other than Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle being immensely involved in this passing game, though. Seattle Seahawks, no changes at quarterback, no changes at running back, which is a testament to how much the Seahawks believe in Rashad Penny being the number two. Obviously, Chris Carson should be the bell cow for however long his wheels stay on. Wide receiver drafted Dwayne Eskridge to replace David Moore. Hey, he's a pretty good, like, number three kind of handcuff type wide receiver, and that's always what David Moore was. Lockett and Metcalf haven't been missing games, but if they did, Eskridge would be, you know, on the top of all these waiver wire pieces, might be able to give you some boom weeks in the meantime. Also signed tight end Gerald Everett joining ex-Rams offensive or pass game coordinator Shane Waldron. Fingers crossed Everett just gets this job, you know, full out. There is still Will Disley, still Colby Parkinson. You know, Everett's someone that I like in the later rounds as a late-round tight end, but I would still take Anthony Ferks or Adam Troutman ahead of him. Tampa Bay Buccaneers somehow return all 22 Super Bowl starters. Absolutely wild. They did draft Kyle Trask to back up Brady, signed Giovanni Bernard, and that's the one issue for some of these running backs because Rojo and Fournette combined for about 90 targets last year. I see that potentially being cut in half if Gio is as involved as he seemingly has been in training camp. Also drafted Jalen Darden to, again, just deepen already the league's best wide receiver room from top to bottom. Final two, Tennessee Titans, no changes at quarterback or running back. Wide receiver, they signed Josh Reynolds, drafted Des Fitzpatrick, and of course, traded for Julio Jones. 
What's this mean, though, people? Because there's no changes at tight end. I really think Anthony Ferkser is a starting slot receiver in Tennessee. And maybe it's not going to be a full-time gig, but he led this offense in targets from the slot last year. And yeah, they replaced Corey Davis with Julio Jones, but this is almost like Cincy, where we're penalizing Tyler Boyd for Jamar Chase replacing A.J. Green, when I think that's just like a boom for the entire offense, just like it should be viewed in Tennessee, replacing Corey Davis with Julio Jones. Like, just because Anthony Ferkshire won't be able to push for 100 targets now, that's not the end of the world. At the end of the day, they still didn't replace Adam Humphreys or Johnny Smith, who were Ferkshire's biggest competition to targets and snaps anyway. I love Ferkshire as my overall tight end 13. And finally, the Washington football team. All they did at quarterback was sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. That means for the first time in years, Fitz does not have to worry about this former top 10 first-round guy to beat out. You know, hey, maybe Taylor Heineke just straight-up wins the job. Kyle Allen's there as well. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, based on the guy we've seen for the past three years, should be the best quarterback in Washington. I think behind Kirk Cousins, he is a great late-round quarterback pick. No changes at running back. Wide receiver, they signed Curtis Samuel. Dealing with a groin injury right now, obviously not ideal. Fingers crossed he gets healthy before the year because of his familiarity with this offense. Uh, back to his days with Scott Turner uh, is looking good. Adam Humphreys is projected to be the starting slot receiver and also drafted Diami Brown. I think Diami is someone that's probably going to have a hard time consistently staying on the field, but might be a good buy low guy in Dynasty because, hey, even if it doesn't happen in 2020, Curtis Humphreys, not a guarantee they'll be here for the next uh, half decade. I think Diami could be the number two, at worst, number three wide receiver in 2021 and beyond. Everyone, we made it. All 32 teams. Apologies if I, you know, skipped over one or two notes. I have this, you know, 8,000 word article on pff.com. It's titled Fantasy Football, catching up on every meaningful offseason move. So, you know, we've spent so much of this offseason just kind of going over specific situations. Wanted to take the time just on this one podcast to really, again, go through the teams, try to catch you, get, get you back up to speed for some of the more casual fans out there that are just getting back into the grind. So, next series I have on the ways I'm going to be going through some of the worst case scenarios for the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends going in the top 12. As much as I love talking about the good things with players, as we all know, doesn't always turn out as great as we imagine it in our minds. So I think it's a good idea to take just a little extra time, go through where things could go south for players that we're all picking, you know, at the top of fantasy drafts. So that's going to wrap up this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll continue to bust out new episodes every single day here for the next couple of weeks, and we'll just still be going five, six days a week during the season as well. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, take care.